Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. And today we're going to talk Derek Favors and his impact on the 2019-2020 season. To help us do it, we've got attorney by day, basketball junkie by night, Hardwood Knox co-host, as well as contributor to Bleacher Report and Forbes Sports, Andrew Bailey. Andy, would you say you're a workaholic? <laughs> um. Sometimes it feels that way. Fortunately, I have a very understanding wife and kids. But yeah, sometimes there's a lot going on. Oh, congratulations, man. I have no idea how you do it. I'm just working with three pets and it's a struggle. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get ahead and get rolling. Uh, You guys can follow him at Andy D. Bailey. Try to say that three times fast. Uh, And of course, like I said, if you guys want to follow him on his podcast, as well as Bleach Report and Forbes Sports, you guys are welcome to do that. Let's talk Derek Favors. Uh, Our first initial impression of Derek Favors was actually given to us by Utah Jazz Twitter, who overwhelmingly was uh, throwing out praise for him, saying that we got a good one. Tell us, why do Utah Jazz fans love Derek Favors? It sounds more as a person than they even do as a player. That's a that's a really good way to phrase it. First of all, um, I I think Utah Jazz fans became very very attached to Favors because he was um, he was a good player, but he was very loyal to the organization. He was willing to do whatever they asked him to do. For the last well, it's been four or five years now. Um, he's been relegated to a role that I think is a little bit smaller than his skill set and his ability uh, would suggest that he has or sh- or should have. Uh, because Rudy Gobert's on the team. Rudy Gobert is an all-NBA center. Um, and to me, Derek Favors is absolutely a starting caliber center, but you, it's tough to play two centers at the same time. Uh, they kind of figured out a nice way to make it work with Quinn Snyder, where Favors would start the game at the four, play a couple minutes there, and then get the bulk of his minutes as a backup five. Um, and he never complained about that. He played fewer minutes uh, than, than his skills probably suggested that he should have. He had a different role uh, than he would have liked. He was in trade rumors year after year after year, and he never complained about any of it. Uh, he just he just went out there, played hard every minute that he was in. He was a huge part of a couple playoff series that they won. Um, so you're absolutely right. I, I think Jazz fans loved him as a player, but it was even more to do with what he was as a person. Nice. Now we've got some comments from David Griffin, who's been appearing pretty much uh, everywhere this offseason, has not been shy about talking to the press. And one thing he mentioned about Derek Favors, and he did this with uh, pretty much all the Pelicans players, said he's not interested in trading anyone. He wants Drew Holiday to to unleash himself, to make the push for MVP. But specifically about Derek Favors, he mentioned untapped offensive potential. And last year with the Utah Jazz, over 70% of his shots came at the rim. I think he converted 74.8% of them. So that's already really 
really impressive. Then he only took 81 uh, three-point attempts, and I think 78% of them came from the corner, and he only converted 31.5%. You'd anticipate that would rise a little bit this year with a little bit more work. But regardless of that, Andy, what do you think this untapped potential is that David Griff that David Griffin is referencing? Well, I think it goes back a little bit to the role that he had in in Utah. He just he just wasn't asked to do a lot offensively. Uh, when he's on the floor with Rudy Gobert, Gobert is going to be the primary pick and roll guy, um, and he's just he's he's not really a perimeter player. That's one of the reasons that he just doesn't make a ton of sense as a four in the modern NBA because you got to have some of those perimeter playmaking skills. He is absolutely a five. And I think as a five, when he's, when he is the primary pick and roll guy, I think he can be devastating. Uh, there was some units that they kind of figured out, I think in, towards the second half of last season where he and Joe Ingles were on the floor with three bench guys and they were the primary pick and roll tandem Ingles and favors. And that lineup was something like, so, so when those two are on the floor, Ingles and favors with three other bench guys, uh, Utah was something like plus 17 or 18 points per 100 possessions, which was in the 99th or 100 percentile, according to cleaning, cleaning the glass. And, and the primary offensive play with those units was the pick and roll. I think favors is an excellent role guy. Uh, he'll get a chance to do a lot more of that in New Orleans. He's, he's clearly the best center on the roster right now. So he should have a lot of opportunities to do that. Uh, four or five years ago, he it looked like he was starting to hone in on a pretty nice little mid-range jumper. Um, I think Quinn Snyder pretty much got him to abandon that in favor of shots right around the rim, like you just alluded to. But maybe that's something that he can resurrect with New Orleans. And like you said, maybe a little bit more work on the three. He, he can become a decent corner three-point shooter. Um, we've kind of been we've kind of been hearing summer after summer for three or four years now that this is the this is when he's going to figure out the three. Hasn't happened yet. I wouldn't put it completely past him. I think he's still in his 20s, so there's there's still time for him to figure it out. But yeah, I think David Griffin's right. There's there's a lot of offensive ability there that just wasn't used in Utah, and you can't really blame the Jazz. They they had a lot of different things going on. Um, but but I'm excited to see what he can do in New Orleans. One thing I'm particularly excited about, and I hope uh, I hope they do this at some point. Alvin Gentry is a pretty creative offensive guy, but I want to see four or five pick and rolls with Zion and favors. I, I think that could be really, really difficult to defend. Yeah, for sure. And you're absolutely right. There's not a whole lot behind Derek Favors at the five position. We're probably anticipating Jaleel Okafor is going to get maybe 12, 15 minutes a game. Jackson Hayes is probably going to redshirt a lot of this season, although we did see so much untapped potential of him in summer league. And there's no indication as of yet that we'll get any Zion or Nicolo Melli minutes at the five. So you're right. He's he's due for an uptick uh, in minutes. I want to talk about uh, not only the the Pelicans' pace, um, as well as their defense with Derek Favors in it. I just want to talk to you about their starting lineup, first of all, and get your perspective on this. Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Zion, as well as Derek Favors. You talked about that 4-5 pick and roll. But just with these five guys, not a lot of shooting to go around. And we know that Alvin Gentry loves uh, pace, and he loves spacing the floor. The Pelicans got up a lot of three-point attempts last season. How would you anticipate this unit working on the offensive end? Yeah, that's certainly a concern, the lack of shooting. And I and I have kind of defaulted to that same lineup that you just threw out for the starting five. I you know, there's plenty of arguments out there for JJ Reddick just to get some kind of shooting into the lineup. Um I don't I don't think Darius Miller's good enough to crack that conversation, but they certainly need some shooting somewhere. Uh I, I haven't given up on Lonzo Ball as a shooter despite historically bad percentages for the first couple of years. Uh, there's still some potential with Ingram as well. 
Uh, Drew Holiday is a guy whose shooting numbers have always kind of confused me. Um, I think for the first few years of his career, he was an above average three point shooter. Um, I don't want to like misquote anything now, but yeah, for, for the first one, two, three, four, five, six seasons, he was almost 38%. Um, I don't know what's happened here in the last few years, but I think he can get it back, but it's tenuous. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of what ifs we're, we're saying, what if Lonzo figures out how to shoot? What if holiday gets his shot back? If, if they can't get any shooting from those guys, it's going to be pretty cramped. Um, and that, that might hamper Derek Favors' ability in the pick and roll. I mean, if, if defenders know that they just have to hang out in the paint because there's nobody to make them pay outside, it's going to be more difficult for him to get good looks inside. Um, at the same time, maybe a really good rim roller like Favors draws those defenders in and gives the shooters like Lonzo and Ingram maybe another half second to get a shot off. And maybe that helps those guys shoot a, a percent or two better. It's kind of like a symbiotic thing I'm describing here. Um, they can help each other, but there's there's certainly some reason for concern with, with the shooting percentages in this starting five. Now, obviously, we want Brandon Ingram to be healthy and ready by the time training camp rolls along, but he hasn't even been shooting yet. So I'm hoping the quick fix is J.J. Redick starts at the three to start the season. They kind of figure things out. Otherwise, they're going to be forced to play Nicola Melli next to Zion, which is going to be an experiment in and of itself if Zion can take that low post pounding at this point in his career. Let's go ahead and talk about pace because obviously that's something that the Pelicans love to push. And Derek Favors' role within it. How do you think he's going to thrive in an up-tempo offense like the Pelicans utilize? I think that should favor him. Um, <laughs> favor, favor. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was unintentional. But yeah, I think I think that'll be very, very good for him. He's he's a great athlete. Um, he's been able to hang fine at the four for the last few years. When I think he's clearly a five, he can guard guys on the perimeter. So he's got a lot of athletic ability. He's going to be able to get out in the open floor, uh, finish finish on the break in those fast paced situations that the Pelicans love. Um, I think really early pick and rolls are going to be difficult to defend. You know, the first or second action of a possession is a pick and roll with favors and holiday or favors the ball. Um, I, I don't think the pace is going to be an issue for him. He's not the kind of lumbering big man that you have to kind of rework your offense for. Um, he, he should be just fine in the high pace game. In fact, it might benefit him. So, so that's another thing that's kind of interesting to see how he's going to fit in there. I'm Scott Trout. CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. All right, let's go ahead and swing to defense. And I think this is what has most Pelicans fans salivating. Uh, I got a, a lot of numbers in front of me somewhere. Uh, here they are. Uh, fourth in defensive real plus minus among power forwards. Seventh overall in real plus minus. 18th in the entire NBA in defensive real plus minus. And if we've got any nerds listening, as far as the Draymond uh, calculus goes by 538, uh, Number one overall last season, I think, uh, our Mike DeLeo wrote on it on the birdrights.com. 
More so than that, when the Utah Jazz had Rudy Gobert on the floor without Derek Favors, they were good enough for number one in the NBA. I think it was 103.6 defensive rating. But with Derek Favors in the lineup, with Rudy Gobert on the bench, they actually improved to 102.1. Talk about his fit defensively with the Utah Jazz and why he made them so good defensively, even without Rudy Gobert on the floor. I didn't know that last number. That's interesting. Um, But this is another area where favors is very, very good. And he was just sort of overshadowed by, by a guy who won defensive player of the year, the last two seasons. Um, One of the reasons they were so good together is because each one of them is a stellar rim protector. And so anybody got inside the three point line, it was, it was routine to see opposing players uh, get past their guy on the perimeter and see those two, they're called the Wasatch front in Utah um, named after that mountain range there, they'd see them and just do a U-turn, dribble back out to the <laughs> perimeter because you just know you're not going to score on those two guys. And then with Faber specifically, like I mentioned earlier, he he's huge, but he's got the ability to switch on to perimeter guys and hold his own uh, on the outside. Um, he's not, you know, he's not like Giannis on the perimeter or anything like that, but he, for his size, he is really, really good at switching on to players as small as point guards. Um, so I, I think all that stuff's going to translate very, very well to, to New Orleans. Now that he's going to be the primary rim protector, maybe he'll get a little bit more credit for what he's done the last few years. Um, but, but yeah, he's, he is an excellent, excellent defensive player. And the other thing, I know this wasn't, you know, directly to your question, but like I said earlier, he's still fairly young. Um, and this will be the first time in, you know, five or six years that he's had a really big role on a team. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he does with that. He's going into his age 28 season. So he's still got four or five years left of prime basketball. I, I wrote about this for Forbes. I think this was one of the most underrated moves of the entire summer. Um, He will improve. He'll be great defensively. I don't know if there's a huge drop off from Davis to him defensively. I know that might sound kind of crazy. There is a huge drop off offensively and that's, that's not a crazy thing to say. Um, but New Orleans defense is going to be awesome with him as the anchor of it. And this is this is a team that's going to be really, really fun to pay attention to. Oh, that's good to hear. And that's going to help with your prediction for the Pelican season in a moment. Before we get to that, I just want to talk about the Utah Jazz briefly. You guys had a notable summer uh, bringing in Mike Conley as well as uh, an expensive contract in Boyan Bogdanovich. It was rumored you guys were going to chase Nikola Miritich first. Uh, obviously, he ultimately went back to Europe. But then, of course, you've got Joe Ingles. You added Jeff Green. You added Emmanuel Moutier. You added Ed Davis. And of course, like you said, you've got two-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, anchoring that team. What are your aspirations for this team this year? Obviously, this is a team that's set pretty much through positions one through nine to challenge for the Western Conference Championship, specifically with the Warriors now taking a step back, with the Rockets potentially taking a step back. We don't even know what they're going to look like with Westbrook. How good do you think they're going to be next season? I think they could finish first in the West. Um, I, I think they could win mid to high 50s. Now, having said that, I think there are five teams in the Western Conference that could finish first. Um it's it's so wide open and difficult to predict this year. The Clippers, the Lakers, the Rockets, the Jazz, and the Nuggets, I think all have a shot at number one. I would say the Clippers pretty confidently if if there wasn't the health concerns. I think Paul George is set to miss the beginning of the season. Um, Kawhi Leonard's probably going to go through load management again. So it's going to be very, very competitive there at the top of the West. But I think Utah is 
like you said, they're deep. Um, they're balanced. They're, they're far more balanced than they've been in years. Um, one thing I do every summer is I take the 538 wins above replacement projections for next season. And I calculate how many uh, were added and lost for each team. And Utah actually came out negative in the net because favors is projected for quite a bit more than a guy like Bojan Bogdanovic. Um, so maybe there's a slight talent downgrade when you just consider those two a straight swap, but I think they're far more balanced now. Um, they made it work really well with the favors go bear pairing, but in today's NBA, it's just, it's difficult to make that work in the playoffs. It's difficult to make that work against certain matchups like the Rockets the last two years. With Bogdanovich, they now have a more modern sort of playmaking for a lot of lineups they can go to like that. Um, I just think they're very, very deep. And one thing that a lot of people bring up is that they don't necessarily have a star. And if they're going to win a title, they're going to have to be like the 2004 Detroit Pistons. And maybe there's some truth to that. But I think Gobert is wildly underrated. Uh, I think there's still a couple more levels that Donovan Mitchell can get to. Um, hopefully there's another year or two of the kind of play that Conley had last season. Uh, if you put all that together, you know, then you've got you've got the great shooting to space everything out with Ingles and Bogdanovich, and you've got some decent bench players and Royce O'Neal. Um, I, I think this is a team that, that could absolutely be a title contender. This is as wide open as the NBA has been, so I just can't wait to watch it play out but they are certainly in that you know if not the top tier maybe like one right below it yeah I'm excited to watch them as well they're going to be an exciting team this year and like you said I think they've got every bit as good a chance as anybody else out there uh and it's going to be exciting watching Mike Conley next to Donovan Mitchell uh Mike Conley somebody I've always enjoyed watching and was always hoping we could somehow pair with Drew Holiday speaking of Drew Holiday let's close on this Andy Everybody's really excited about the Pelicans offseason. In addition to the Lakers players, like you mentioned, uh, Zion, uh, Derek Favors, uh, one of the most unheralded pickups in the NBA you referenced earlier. Uh, these these people who say the Pelicans have had such an, a successful offseason still keeps them from really putting the Pelicans in the playoffs, or if they do, it's somewhere around the eighth seed or just outside of it. Tell me, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, or some version of J.J. Redick, Kenrich Williams, Zion, this Nicolo Melli pickup, Derek Favors, Jackson Hayes. Is this Pelicans team a playoff team in your estimation? It's so difficult. So we've got one jumbled mess, one through five, and then I think we've got another one, like six through ten. Um, and it's it's just really difficult to predict. I wouldn't be surprised if they did make it. That same exercise I referenced earlier about wins above replacement added, the Pelicans actually came out positive in that. Despite losing Anthony Davis, they added about two wins above replacement next season. Um, if they click chemistry-wise, I, I could absolutely see them in the postseason. I think they'll probably be low 40s to mid 40s, which it, that might miss the playoffs in certain years. I think this year, because of the parity, there's going to be a lot more teams around that range. Um, if I had to make a pick today, I would probably say they miss. Um, however, I, like I said, I'm, I just would not be at all surprised uh, if they're able to sneak in. And then obviously most of this core is pretty young. So they're set up to be competing for the postseason, not just in the first year without Anthony Davis, but for, for a while to come. Um, what they did to recover from the loss of Davis was just phenomenal. Um <laughs> It, most teams could have folded in in the face of something like that. And I think they there's a very good chance they got better, which is that in and of itself is amazing. It's just unfortunate that they happen to be in the Western Conference. 
Um, if, if this was an Eastern Conference team, I think it'd probably be a no-brainer that they get in, but they are in this this varsity conference that has just been a nightmare for the last 20 to 25 years. So I wouldn't be shocked, but I think right now I'm going to settle on no. Do you think they get in? You know, I, I'd like to. Uh, I, I was really tickled by varsity conference. That's a really good way of putting <laughs> it. <laughs> I think a lot of us, just in terms of how the NBA is structured right now, a lot of us would like to see the Pelicans uh, playing teams uh, with regularity like the Charlotte Hornets, the Orlando Magic, yeah. the Atlanta Hawks, just because we're kind of in that southeastern uh, tucked away part of the United States right now. And it would keep us from playing the the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Rockets. But like you said, I just think we're so deep right now. I think, like you said, Derek Favors and Drew Holiday are so underrated still i think uh it's going to be a big breakout campaign for the two of them in this year uh derek favors is in a contract season so he's probably going to play about as well as he has in his career you'd anticipate i think it all just comes down to zion is he nba ready uh and and that's something that we're going to find out rather quickly we know he's going to struggle rookies typically don't play like all nba type players uh so he's probably only going to get about 25 to 28 minutes a game. Is he in game shape for the NBA? How does he last on an 82-game season? The health um, and viability of guys like Lonzo and Brandon Ingram, how much are we going to see of them? Lonzo has never played, I think, more than 50 games in his two seasons. Uh, so there's still a lot of question marks, and we still have a lot of movable contracts. Darius Miller, Etwan Moore, these guys are both expiring. I think they total somewhere around – 16 million dollars collectively so that could bring you in a bradley beal type player of course they're they're loaded with picks and resources like i mentioned brandon ingram if they wanted to package him with those two guys there's still a lot that needs to happen before we get to the trade deadline i think but right now just in terms of what the pelicans have on paper like the utah jazz they're deeper than about any team in the west and just over the course of a regular season i think they can kind of overproduce kind of like how the denver nuggets do but once they get to the playoffs of course they they wouldn't they wouldn't fare very well with their lineup as currently constructed. But just in terms of getting regular season wins, yeah, I think they can rack those up because they have the affordability right now to rest guys on back-to-back to give minutes to guys like Josh Hart, Kenrich Williams, Etwan Moore, J.J. Redick, and then even sprinkle in guys like Nikhail Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, Frank Jackson. So they are so deep at this point in time that they should really thrive in the regular season. Yeah, I think that's all true. Um I'm just when I look at the West, it's just so crazy with the five teams I already mentioned that I I would say are probably the locks, the Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Nuggets and Rockets. Then we get into a group that has the Warriors, which is crazy to think that they're not a lock. The Blazers, the Spurs. I think I think the Pelicans are probably better than the Spurs. Um, That's that's not an easy call for me, though. I think they're better than the Timberwolves. They're better than the Grizzlies. else do we have there the kings could be okay i mean they won 39 last season i I think that'll be a a close one in the standings the kings and the pelicans um the mavericks i think will be a little bit better it's just like we've said a couple times now the west is just such a bear uh and and, and you're absolutely right I, i think new orleans should be in the eastern conference um i this is something that i've talked about it's like a pet topic of mine but the nba has enough talent to expand to 32 teams and then you just kick memphis and new orleans over into the east and i think you've got it figured out yeah or even just uh 
break the regular season schedule down to whatever it is, 60 or 64 games and have everybody just play each other twice and just call it a day. Um, I I think that would really favor the Pelicans. But like you said, I think the Pelicans are better than the Spurs. Uh, I really like this Oklahoma City Thunder team, but I think they take a step back. So then after that, yeah, it's it's a combination of what they do against the Kings. And nobody probably wants to hear me say this, but if any time at all is lost due to injury to LeBron James, we've seen what Anthony Davis has done in New Orleans without Drew Holiday. And it's not very good. I did the numbers for Bleach Report. I think uh, it was something like five and twenty nine without Drew Holiday, three and seventeen over whatever it is the past three or four seasons (laughs) without LeBron James. Anthony Davis is not going to win basketball games. Nobody wants to hear me say that, but LeBron James needs to be LeBron James. He needs to play seventy to seventy five games in order for them to just make the playoffs, like you said, in an overcrowded Western Conference. Otherwise, things could end very poorly for them. But nobody wants to hear that. Obviously, that team uh, did as well as any team could have. Uh, after losing out on Kawhi Leonard, I wanted them to chase Danny Green, and of, of course they they locked him up and some yeah. some other unheralded moves. But let me get you out of here because you've already been uh, more kind with your time than you needed to be. Really appreciate it. Would love to do this with you again. Uh, you guys can follow him at Andy D Bailey. Like I mentioned before, he contributes to Bleacher Report, Forbes Sports, uh, Hardwick Knox is where he is a co-host. Um, really appreciate your time, Andy. Uh, is there anything else you want our listeners to know about you? No, I think you covered it. Thanks for having me, Preston. Sweet. Uh, Remember, you guys, our sponsor is now MyBookie. You can use the promo code BIRDS. And thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, if you want to help our podcast, uh, you can give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps. Or just retweet this podcast. That alone in of itself uh, is a big benefit to our podcast. So thank you guys again for tuning in with us all offseason. We'll be back with you guys soon. Let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.